This is Jason Cass. This is Scott Nearman. We are MP Local, where we want you to know that you are not alone. I'll tell you what, Scott, this business is not easy. It has its own unique challenges. This is not about bottom line only. This is not about profit only. We're about mission and changing communities in the nonprofit world. And that is why we started this podcast called NP Local. Good morning. This is Scott Nearman with NP Local, your co-host, normally joined by Jason Cass. Jason is on vacation, so I am solo in the saddle today, and we are happy to bring you more nuggets of wisdom from NP Local experts. Uh, Today, I'm very pleased to introduce you to Joy Dooling. I've known Joy since 2007. Joy hails from central Illinois, but works now in a virtual world worldwide. Joy is founder and CEO of the Joy of Membership. She is the creative visionary behind Journey Care, a member care software platform launched just this year. But for the past 16 years, she served as a trusted advisor for hundreds of associations, trade groups, membership-based nonprofits, and others, focusing her efforts primarily on membership operations and experience design. In addition to her role as a consultant, Joy also served as executive director of a membership-based nonprofit for nearly a decade and is a national speaker and podcaster on topics related to membership growth. So today we are pleased to talk with Joy. Uh, Joy, it's so nice to see you, talk to you. Uh, It's been quite a while, but um, I know you're doing great work out there. How are you this morning? I'm good. Thanks for having me, Scott. Well, we're very grateful you would join us. And as I said, uh, we're going to see how this goes. I'm I'm not normally the host, but, uh, you know, I, I, Jason starts off with a hey, 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 and I always want to refer to him as Yogi Bear. So uh, I'm going to I'm going to do that now since he's not here to defend himself. But uh, Joy, we, we've talked on this podcast a lot and, and really try to keep these to 20 minutes or so. So that as that busy executive director, which I am one and you have been one as well, are, are eating their sandwich and, and uh, uh, maybe in the car as commuting to their next meeting, um, and as they are listening, we want them to be able to listen to this at any point that works in their schedule so that they are you know, able to apply something immediately um, to their organization. And so we know that uh, nonprofits come in many shapes and sizes. They come in many different forms. Uh, can you talk a little bit about your work with membership nonprofits, membership organizations? Sure. Well, a lot of people, when they're thinking about nonprofits, they think of the traditional 501c3 um, that's established for charitable or educational purposes. There are a whole lot of other types of nonprofits. Most of my clients tend to be 501c6, you know, for trade groups, chambers of commerce, you have 501c7 for like social and recreational clubs and 501c8s for fraternal societies and associations. So there's this whole ecosphere around nonprofits. And I just tend to focus right in on those that operate some sort of membership program. Right, right. And that's so important, I think, uh, especially in these times. What have you found? You know, I, I noticed on your website, which is for our audience, joyofmembership.com. So aptly named for Ms. Joy Dooling, joyofmembership.com. And we will put that in the show notes, Joy. 
But I noticed that um, you've written blog articles about the impact of technology on membership organizations. I think back to graduate school and a book called Bowling Alone by Robert Putnam, which really talked about, uh, and that was in 2001, he had a sequel uh, shortly thereafter called Better Together. But he talked about the old bowling leagues, right? And I know my, my grandfather, they're, uh, they're going through some things at my grandfather's house currently, and we found his old engraved bowling ball. And, you know, it's like folks had their, had their ball, they had their shoes, and they belonged to a league. And um, folks aren't joiners uh, many times in the younger generations. Why do you think that is? Well, I actually hear that phrase a lot, that um, – you know, a certain segment of population, they aren't joiners. And um, associations sometimes struggle with that idea. And I think that they're not attracting a large enough segment of their audience because people aren't joiners. But I tend to come at it from a different angle in that if you are offering something of value, if you are, you know, providing a member experience that is meaningful to someone and it's having impact in their life or their business or whatever it is that you focus on, they will join. The problem today, I think, is that the world has changed and a lot of the traditional membership organizations have not kept up with those mm. changes. And that's so both that's in terms in, of, right? yeah, well, and I think it's it's both in terms of um, technology and just overall how people tend to come together nowadays. So how is that? You've, you've written about technology. What have you found even during this pandemic that organizations are doing that's working well? Anything tech related? You have a software platform perhaps that does some of these things? Well, I do have a software platform um, that I really have constructed to support the member journey. Um, I believe that organizations need to be intentionally designing a journey for their members. They need to understand what people want coming in and how to deliver that in a way that gets their members closer to the results that they're looking for. And that's sort of the secret sauce. And the problem with a lot of membership software is that it's very transactional. It's, you know, your dues are due on April 1st, you paid them, now you get a receipt. <laughs> you know, right, and you just right. go through that cycle every year. And there's just a whole lot more that organizations can do to leverage software to make it easier to, you know, not only run the organization, but also to connect in ways that are um, that feel more personal to the member and more interactive. That's great. You know, that's exactly what we talk about in the nonprofit world and fundraising. And I'm sure you're aware of many of those principles. It's about that relationship and it's about that impact. So uh, what can we all do as nonprofits to nurture and build those uh, connections? Um, you know, I particularly in my role as a nonprofit director enjoy getting out um, again, as the world gradually opens back up, you know, carefully, of course, but, you know, those networking events that, that were regularly a, a monthly thing through your local chamber of commerce. Um, I also attend Rotary International. Have you helped membership organizations such as uh, service clubs? Yes, absolutely. And a lot of them are struggling for, for the same reasons that um, the world has changed and what people need from their service clubs is different. Um, in fact, I was meeting with a service club. It's 
it was before the pandemic. So it was probably 18 mm-hmm. months ago or so. And they were talking about, you know, needing to attract more members. And they talked about the type of member that they wanted to attract. They were looking for, you know, young families with children, parents, and yet their meetings are all held and have been for decades at like eight o'clock on Saturday morning. I'm like for your audience that you're saying you want to attract, where are those people at 8 a.m. on Saturday mornings? They're, you know, shuttling their kids to soccer practice or you know, right. gymnastics <laughs> or, you know, trying to take some downtime after working a long week. So part of it is aligning what you want to do with the member experience that you're providing. Right, right. Well, that's great. And, and Joy, you know, we didn't plan this, but um, the first time I uh, I met you, you were doing strategic planning, as I recall, uh, for an organization that I worked for. And, you know, we just had a couple of podcasts here on NP Local about strategic planning, but certainly the alignment of goals and, and where you want to be. Um, actually wrote my first blog article. I, for our audience, I've learned a lot from Joy as I began consulting. Uh, she was one of the first folks I, I called for some advice. Uh, Joy, do I really want to do this? What's it, what's it really going to take? Uh, I still need to catch up and, and do some more blogging and, and writing, but you know, talking about goals in the new year and, and something that we all uh, need to do. But um, I think that long-range vision um, is also important, so that there is a uh, really a very step-by-step way to get to where we're trying to get to, whether it's personally or professionally or organizationally. Well, there's a model that I use when I'm talking with clients about the member experience that they're currently providing and kind of where they need to be in order to um, be getting um, easier traction with attracting Mm -hmm. and engaging and retaining members. And it uses the acronym CARE. And so, you know, we, we look at what is it that they need to be doing consistently? How can they show that they are um, paying attention to what members are looking for? So that attentiveness um, responsiveness, that not only notice that there's a need, but they're doing something specifically to respond to it. And um, just being engaging, you know, um, pulling people into conversation and into solving the, the challenges that they're facing. And I think if organizations, and this not only goes for membership organizations, but I think it's true for, you know, nonprofits in general, for um, even businesses, that when you show the people that you're serving that you care in that way, it really makes a big difference in building that relationship and showing them that you actually value them and that you're trying to provide something that they will appreciate and will enhance the relationship. That's great. That's great. Talk a little bit more about, um, I mean, you are, you are a facilitator, you know, you're trusted, you've had a lot of experience uh, in many different sectors of both government and nonprofits, uh, now consulting. How do, how do folks react whenever, um, you know, they're struggling, you know, just your experience consulting, you know, how do they react whenever they're struggling with membership? Uh, I know that, you know, during the pandemic, this has been a um, particularly challenging time for leaders, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of pivoting, which is far far overused term these days. But you know, second guessing, how do they, you know, how am I doing? Should I be doing more of this? Should I be doing less of this? Um, and we've also talked about that on a prior podcast. How folks reeled in. How did how did membership organizations 
adjust? Uh, what are you finding in their feedback to you as a consultant in, in their specific struggles? Or, um, you know, how can you leave maybe those who are listening today with some um, nuggets of wisdom for this adaptation that we've had to go through? Well, I would say that among my clients and among associations in general, you really saw the full spectrum of responses. There were a lot of organizations that, you know, actually, when you look at it, they're stronger now than they were a year ago, because some of the things that they had been thinking about doing possibly in the future, the pandemic just lit the fire underneath that movement needing to happen. So for organizations that were looking at modernizing their technology, or maybe exploring the possibility of adding virtual events to their conferences, the pandemic just immediately forced that to happen. So while the change was painful at first, um, you know, the result of it has been overwhelmingly positive for them. The other thing that I think is really unique about membership organizations, and I saw this happen back in like 2008, 2009, when we went through the recession period. Back then, when times get hard, people need their trade industries. They need yeah. their professional yeah. associations and they're looking someplace for some sense of stability, some sense of we're all in this together, some sense of what the future is going to hold. And I think for organizations that, you know, very quickly were able to kind of snap into that role and say, okay, our members are collectively going through this really hard thing mm -hmm. and we're going to be helpful here. I think that right. they did a lot to really um, solidify the relationship there with their members and um, did a lot to improve their member experience. So I don't think that the struggle that we've had over the past year for a lot of organizations was necessarily all bad. There are definitely some silver linings that came sure. out of it. Sure, sure. That's great. Well, and my experience has been, again, with Chambers, uh, the Rotary. I serve on the board of the Association of Fundraising Professionals here near my local chat with my local chapter. And many of them, all of them, had meetings online or they decreased the dues. Uh, if you're not meeting for lunch, you don't have a lunch fee to cover, you know. And so I think there were adaptations. But that was also a revenue loss for every single organization that I speak of. Um, and so any word to those community leaders, those nonprofit board members that are listening, how do we get these organizations back up to a healthy level while, while they've had some silver linings? How do we help them during this time? Well, to me, I always look to strategic alliances, and there's no better time to be partnering with other organizations than when we collectively have all gone through the same thing. There's no organization out there that is completely alone in feeling the impact from the pandemic, and that is an advantage um, because organizations um, everywhere are looking for creative ways to move forward. So, you know, for a for a nonprofit leader, let's say you can be looking to associations who have, you know, people who might be interested in your cause, and you can do some great partnering with those associations. I mean, for example, if you are leading a nonprofit that is 
focused on eradication of hunger. There are so many associations that are looking for speakers for meetings. They're looking for projects that they can re-engage members in. And, you know, right. there are community give back days. There's all sorts of ways that you can partner to bring new eyes on your mission. And the same thing for organizations that have members You can partner with um, businesses and nonprofits and, you know, have some um, ways of giving members new relationships and um, creating those introductions for them. So I think it's just a, it's a time in our world where it's just ripe for being able to forge these sort of creative alliances. Sure. Well, and I was just thinking, we're coming upon, as we record this, we're coming upon National Volunteer Week, and even those corporations that have had to shut down or they've had to, to you know, back up a little bit from this pace that they were going, um, it's, a, it's an employee benefit to have a, a day of caring or a, a day of giving back, as you mentioned, and so I would encourage uh, any nonprofit to be thinking about that as we approach those times. You know, we're when I have, of course, I'm in Tennessee. I know, uh, Joy, you're in Illinois, and there's probably some differences in, in how open certain things and organizations are right now. But um, as I get back out a little bit, um, you know, I think people are just dying to, to reconnect. And so I hope that that becomes a boost for our membership organizations and uh, that uh, that will lead to good things in the future, strengthening them where they may have been struggling. And, and like you say, that's silver lining. Any final word? I was going to say there's a great um, directory of associations available at directoryofassociations.com. And you can actually search, I think, by state, by category, and by size of association. And I Mm -hmm. find people are always surprised by, first of all, how many um, associations, membership-based groups there are, and how you know, very specific that the topic areas are. So um, you can do a search there by right. your category or by your keyword, and you might find some organizations that you never even knew existed that might be interested in um, partnering together on a project or, um, you know, doing some sort of creative alliances together. I'll never forget, uh, gradu- I started graduate school at Indiana University, and of course, that's one of the best nonprofit programs at a public university. Really enjoyed it, fell in love with the nonprofit world there. And one of our instructors talked about the fact that Indiana University is essentially a not-for-profit, but so is the Indiana Gourd Society. And it might be, you know, uh, or Gourd Association. So if you are into gourds uh, and collecting gourds and making things out of gourds and cooking with with that kind of squash, then uh, there's an association for you, right? Joy, let me just say this has been great to to hear from you, to to really feature membership organizations, because I do know what a a broad uh, number there are of these types of organizations. Perhaps we have some listeners representing these organizations across the country. Um, I hope that this has provided some nuggets of wisdom for them. Any final word? I would just say that associations, trade groups, membership-based nonprofits are doing really important work by gathering a community and trying to, you know, make an impact in this world toward a cause, toward improving an industry. And I just applaud them every day. They're doing great work. I, I second that. Thank you so much. 
Well, folks, I just want you to know uh, we've had a very special guest, our first guest here on NP Local. And uh, again, thank you to you, Joy. Thank you to our listeners. And uh, we will call this a wrap. We are out.